Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. Here to help us wrap up a news-packed week is the Weekly Standard's Bill Crystal. And Bill, it's hard to believe that it's been less than a week since President Obama gave his big from the Oval Office, only the third time he's done it, speech about ISIS and terrorism. Yeah, it was just five nights ago that we spoke right after that speech, and I said it was pathetic. You thought I was being a little harsh, but I think you've come around to that view, right? Obama, and I think the American public thought it was pathetic. I think there's a poll out this morning showing that he's at his lowest rating ever in dealing with terrorism, and that's obviously uh, uh, politically important and interesting. Uh, Probably one reason why Donald Trump remains uh, is flying so high on the Republican side. And, you know, one of the things that Donald Trump has done is he's punctured the Uh, pretend PC wall around the issue of Islam when President Obama made his tiny little baby steps of finally using Islam and terror in the same sentence. uh, I think that kind of, you know, that that dyke burst. And now everybody's kind of saying, of course, it's been about a problem inside Islam all along. The president looks weaker. Trump looks stronger. And more and more Americans are looking at what they've been told the last, really, you could be, say, 13 years to the Bush years and go, come on, this is what we've been saying all along. The PC era now on that topic is over. I hope it's over, and I hope it's over more broadly. Uh, it, uh, PC stuff, the liberal elites have a pretty good ability to reinstate it, even when it occasionally takes, it takes a hit. But I, I very much agree with what underlies your, your comment, which is, I mean, no Obama, no Trump. It's the disgust, especially among, but not only among Republican and conservative-minded voters, but often uh, among a lot of independents and regular guy citizens out there who just kind of look around at the reality. It's the disgust that Obama's unwillingness to... To, to, to say it like it is and to be serious about the problems we're facing and a certain amount of disgust with Republican elites also going along with this PC world that has led to the phenomenon of Trump. I think Trump is a big overreaction. I actually think he'd be a bad president. It is a big problem ultimately for the Republican Party, a big problem, but a problem for the Republican Party. Uh, but this, this is what happens in life and in politics. You know, you, go to, you get someone like Obama, you get a reaction against Obama, you get someone like Jeb Bush, you get a reaction against Jeb Bush. I think Donald Trump is the reaction against both Obama and Jeb Bush. Uh, and now the question for the Republicans is, can they navigate that? Can they steer that reaction in a healthier way than a demagogue like Donald Trump? Well, Bill Crystal, can they? I think so. You know, I saw Chris Christie's off-the-record conversation in New York this week. You talk to Christie, you talk to Cruz and Rubio, whom I do get to see occasionally here in Washington. Those are three very able political figures. Um, Trump is a very able, a very competent, a clever demagogue. These guys are are competent politicians. They're all pretty fresh faces. What Christie was elected in 2009, Mm -hmm. uh, Rubio in 2010, Cruz in 2012 for their first statewide races. I've got to think one of them can channel what's healthy about the Trump phenomenon, explain to voters why Trump is ultimately irresponsible as a demagogue, and become the Republican nominee in the next president. Having said that, I mean, I keep saying, you know, I've said for a while that that should be happening. It could happen. <laughs> it isn't quite happening yet. I will, I will acknowledge that fact. <laughs> Before we move on, let me praise Trump, something I rarely do, a little bit more. Time Magazine's gutless choice of Angela Merkel as the person of the year is ridiculous. It's clearly Donald Trump, and not because of his political skills. I mean, really, when you look at it, he's got 35% of the GOP but, you know, vote that's leaves, you know, about 80 percent of the American pop, you know, public that 
you know, that haven't shown any support for him. But he truly is the embodiment of this tidal wave. And you see it across Europe. I think you're seeing it in, even in the Middle East and certainly in America of this rejection of the elites, whether they were secular dictators in the Middle East or whether they were secular Euro you know, uh, leaders in Europe or here in America, the essentially secular media government elites, their record since 2001 in particular has been so abysmal. And Donald Trump is the face, just like Marie Le Pen and you know the, uh, the elections that these, uh, quote, far-right parties in Europe have been winning. I mean, he, that is the moment. And Bill, for them to pick Angela Merkel, a woman who got it completely wrong, who said in the face of this disastrous you know, uh, tidal wave of immigrants, the ultimate PC thing, no restrictions, bring them all in. That's the elite's unthinking, I'm supposed to say, that answer. And Donald Trump is the punch in the nose to that foolishness. Yeah, no, I would strike if they took Merkel for the reason you say. This is sort of the elite sort of doubling down and saying, you know, her vision for the EU is the right one. The public's rejecting it. It's not working out in practice. Reality is rejecting it. But, you know, we're, we're committed to what we believe. And that is what has been striking. The elites won't learn from reality. Well, President Obama certainly has been bugged by reality, you would think, over the last three years, since they've been a more astounding example in modern history of a president's policies, just utterly backfiring. But he is not willing to learn. Uh, Angela Merkel, I don't think, is willing to, willing to learn. And when you get elites like that dug in uh, foolishly and pridefully, you get a reaction like Trump. And again, I don't think that's entirely healthy either. We've been through this a lot in history, you know, uh, uh, out of touch elites and, and kind of uh, uninformed and sort of extreme reactions. Uh, the question is again: the, this is where real politicians, serious politicians, step up and and channel the reaction and lay out policies, you know, re- reasonable, doable policies that will get our country, or in the case of Europe, get those European countries going in the right direction again. You know, you look at the news of this week, and what I think about is something that Steve Hayes has pointed out in the Weekly Standard, the news that could have been, the news that there's an email that shows that the Pentagon was, quote, spinning up military assets to stop Benghazi, and yet uh, they couldn't get word back from the Secretary of State's office under Hillary Clinton. The uh, other news this week about Hillary Clinton's mishandling of uh, uh, classified email and, uh, you know, more documents being released, this should have been a very bad week for Hillary Clinton. And yet, uh, while Donald Trump has definitely punched a hole in elitism, it seems that Hillary Clinton is getting a lot of, uh, of, of help, intentional or otherwise, from the Donald. Yeah, he doesn't spend much time punching the Obama administration. He spends his time punching Republican elites. I guess that's who he's running against. That so makes a certain amount of sense. But Tom Jocelyn has an excellent piece in the New Weekly Standard pointing out that it didn't have to be this way in the Middle East. That was based on Obama's decisions in 2009-2010, uh, giving away the gains in Iraq, uh, enabling the incredible growth of the most insane form of uh, radical Islam and, and, and jihadism, and enabling them to succeed in ways that allowed them to recruit so many more people and get stronger in Europe, and unfortunately maybe even here. So, um, you know, it is, yeah, you do feel like you're living in a, sort of crazy, uh, I don't know what you call it, you know, Alex, uh, Alice in Wonderland, mm-hmm. Land of Mirrors, where Obama leads to a reaction the other way. Hillary Clinton seems to be sailing by. I mean, no one's paying any attention to her uh, embrace of Obama's failed policy. So I think that will happen. I, I guess I don't worry too much about that, because I just think at the end of the day, when voters look up, 
in in uh, August, September, October, and say see the choices Obama's Secretary of State. It's a totally totally winnable race for Republicans. This is one of the things that worries me though a little bit about the current situation. But look, this is the kind of chaos one often goes through in times of turmoil. You know, I mean, this is a very unusual moment where. The, the normal, like we nominate our Romney and they nominate their incumbent president mm-hmm. and we have a boring election, which is 51-48, just the way the last one was. That is not what this year is. Who knows what this year is, but that is not what this year is well, the, like. The, the hope I have, and that's all this is, is a hope, is that if this year is in fact the repudiation of the self-styled elites who have lied to the American people so long, who have uh, mishandled the power they've been given, the poster girl for powerful D.C. insider elites is Hillary Clinton. And if this wave continues, you just wonder what would the Hillary Clinton strategy be? Let's say the Republicans nominate a Cruz or a Rubio who are, you know, can easily be seen as outside of the, uh, you know, of the usual. How does she respond? What is her counter argument? Yeah, there's an interesting article on that in the Times today. It seems that they think they can find ways for her to speak to the, some of the working class supporters of Trump who are disaffected with both parties. I tend to agree. She, I've always thought she was their weakest candidate. I've always thought that a fresh face, even an Elizabeth Warren-type fresh face, even if she's about Hillary's age, but hasn't been in politics that long, hasn't been implicated in all the decisions of the 90s and, the, and in the last decade, would be a much stronger candidate for the Democrats, even though in, in some conventional analysis, you know, she's more left-wing and Hillary is mm. a little more centrist. I think that's another thing we have to learn this year, though, is to sort of throw out the left-wing, right-wing right kind of uh, categories. I mean, what is Trump exactly? He's a weird mishmash of things. And conservatives kind of occasionally cluck, gee, he doesn't have this conservative position. How can conservative voters perform? But again, what happens when you get into every 30, 40 years, you get into one of these kind of moments where the categories get shuffled, the voters decide they're not happy with the way things have been organized, they're not happy with the elite to be the parties, which means in a way they're not happy with the categories they've been given by either party either. They don't think they're really responding to the actual situation we face. You know, the Republicans are for tax cuts, the Democrats are for letting uh, in every every immigrant who shows up mm-hmm. and, and for being politically correct and dealing with the war on terror. And it's like the voters look up and say, hey, neither party is talking about what worries me the most. So again, that's the challenge for the candidates this year. And and uh, I, I think they're beginning to step up. I would say if you see Christie, Cruz, and Rubio, each in their own way, have now uh, very clearly have the sense that they didn't have three, four, five months ago, that it requires some change in their rhetoric and their presentation of what they're going to do, how much they've really thought this through. It'll be interesting to see, I think, even in Tuesday night's debate and, and over the next couple of months. Uh, this is a real, when you get into these kind of you know, uncharted and kind of wild waters, candidate skills and, and really political skills make a huge difference. You know, if you have a conventional election, you kind of check the boxes, you put your coalition together, you do 1% better, 1% worse than the normal you know, mathematics would indicate, maybe based on your political skills. So you get in this kind of wild situation, it really uh, rewards, I think, someone who can adjust, uh, keep his bearings, on the other hand, not panic and not look foolish. So it'll be very interesting for the next two, three months. And we'll be uh, talking about that debate right after it happens here in another special Weekly Standard bonus instant reaction podcast. Bill Crystal, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.